All right, all right. How many of you are enjoying the series on relationships? Love is. <clears throat> We're having lots of fun, hopefully learning some things, encountering Jesus in this process. Uh, let's take a look at our, our main text for the series. It's found in John chapter 13, beginning in verse number 34. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Verse 35, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So the big idea about this verse is this. Jesus says, I want you to love one another. And the way I want you to do it is like I've loved you. And so the way that we learn to love those closest to us is by how Jesus loved those closest to him. And in this context, Jesus was meeting not with the 12 disciples, but the 11. Judas had just left the room. And he says, guys, if you get this thing right, if you guys who, who are close brothers in Christ, if you guys get this and you learn to love one another, he says, the mission will be accomplished and the whole world will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. So this, this series on love and relationships isn't about me, it's about the mission. It's about us being able to be who Jesus called us to be, his disciples that the world would know are his disciples. And so this is critical. So we began the series with a message called Love Leads, which was all about taking responsibility for loving, taking the initiative, taking the responsibility, putting the expectation on me to love the other person. Last week's the message was Love Fights. Love fights. Not about fighting in our relationships, right? But fighting for our relationships, right? And, and we know that in every relationship, um, we're either fighting for connection or we're fighting for disconnection. In other words, we're, we're fighting for nearness to those people close to us or we're fighting for the safe distance, and our goal should be, as brothers and sisters in Christ, our, our goal should be, family of God, that we fight to draw near to one another. We fight for that intimacy. We fight for that emotional closeness. We fight for that trust. And I know this, that as we fight for nearness, something will raise its ugly head. And that ugly head is called sin. S-I-N, with a capital I right in the middle. So as we fight to draw near to one another and have those kind of relationships that Jesus had with his, as we do that, there's something that's going to encounter, that we're going to encounter, and it's called sin. We know that sin literally means to miss the mark. We know that when we miss the mark, when we sin, when we screw up, right? How many of you know it separates us not only from God, but it separates us from each other? And the solution for this problem called sin is the same for both our relationship with God and our relationship with other. And the solution is called forgiveness. Forgiveness. The truth is this morning, if we, if we fail to learn to receive this gift of forgiveness and to give this gift of forgiveness, we will be forever separated from God in heaven and forever separated from each other. So this is mission critical here, church. We have to learn how to forgive one another. Today's message is called Love Pardons. Love Pardons. And it's a message 
about forgiveness. Jesus demonstrated how we love each other by forgiving one another. And I am so glad that Jesus pursues connection with broken, sinful people. I'm so glad that he, he's not trying to see how far away or how much distance, safe distance he can have from us when we screw up. He's always pursuing us. He's always pursuing that close connection to us, even when we're broken, even when we're sinful. And that's good news this morning because I think this, this 930 service is full of broken people. And I'm one of them. Full of broken people. We like to say here at Glad Tidings that Glad Tidings is the perfect place for those who aren't. That's right. It's the perfect place for those who aren't. No matter how big your mess is, no matter how big your sin is, we like to preach God's grace is bigger, God's forgiveness is bigger, and it's true, amen? But here's what happens. Sometimes we indirectly communicate this message. Now that you're clean, you can never make another mess. Now that you're clean, you'll always be clean. After all, this is a holy place, and it's only for holy people. And we sometimes indirectly communicate that, don't we? And it's so easy in the church to, to put these unrealistic expectations on one another. Where we expect, man, now that you're saved, man, you're gonna, you're gonna, you got your act together finally. And you're going to keep your act together, right? And we put these unrealistic expectations on people. And what we do is we create this, this, this unsafe place for people to be real. And we even transfer that to leadership. And, and the higher you get as a leader in the church, boy, the, the, you know, you're perfect. The higher you get, the, the more you're expected to be perfect. And what happens is it pushes people to be fake because they can't be real because it's not safe to be real anymore. It's like having a toilet in your house, but pretending you never use it. <laughs> right? And the higher you get in church leadership, you know, the more perfect you're expected to be. And, 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 and people begin, to, they expect you never to use the toilet. I know it's kind of crude, right? And when you become the lead pastor, the church hires a plumber to come to the house and they literally remove the toilet from the house because pastors, they, they just never have any, they never have crap in their lives. And, and here's what I'm proposing this morning. Can't we all agree this morning that we all have crap in our lives and we all need a toilet? Okay. Somebody's praying, oh God, help them clean up the message this morning. I'm talking about you this morning. <laughs> all right. Can't we all agree that we are going to wrestle with this thing called sin that separates right? That separates us from God and separate. We're going to wrestle with that until the day we are delivered from this sin-sick world. It's a world we live in. Danny Silk, the author of Keep Your Love On, he said this. He said, being in the people business and being afraid of sin is like a rancher being afraid of manure. Rancher says one day, he says, we have a manure-free farm here. We have taught our cows how to walk with their tail in between their legs and to hold it all in. 
right? That's right. We have a manure-free farm here. Our, our cows, they are clean and they are permanently clean, right? I mean, that's as ridiculous. Trust me, manure-free cows go against nature, right? And what happens is one of those manure-free cows, right, although one day, suddenly one day goes kaboom, and there's manure everywhere, right? And you see, sometimes that's what happens in the church. We have these unrealistic expectations on people, and when they go kaboom, we all freak out like something really strange just happened. Instead of embracing them as a real person and saying to them, hey, welcome to the ranch. It's a messy place sometimes, isn't it? Have you ever read the Bible? Full of people. Full of people who were big messes uh, and made big messes. And those messes would, would, would overflow and hurt a lot of people. And so this morning, you may be here, and, and you may be hurt because of somebody's kaboom. Somebody exploded, right? And they exploded on you, and it got on you, and it's on you today, and it stinks because they exploded all over you. Are you with me this morning? Okay, Could it, maybe it happened this week. Maybe it was a, a friend who just you know, went kaboom, and, and people were, were kind of shocked. Where'd that come from? Well, we put unrealistic expectations. We expect people to live without a toilet in their lives. We expect people to hold it all in, right? And then when it finally comes out, it just, it's like, where did that come from? Welcome to the human race this morning. And maybe you've been hurt in some way because of somebody's mess, and, and your challenge, our challenge is to fight to still connect with that person. To fight for that nearness with that person that, that hurt us. Can I tell you this morning that, that God has never been afraid of manure? In fact, he came up with a brilliant plan for dealing with manure, and it's called forgiveness. And it's made possible to you this morning by the generous contribution of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. Forgiveness is the solution towards sin. Jesus taught his disciples that the way that you receive this gift of forgiveness and the way that you give this gift of forgiveness is through prayer. It's through prayer. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 6, verse number 12, Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray every day, and he said these words to them. He said, pray like this, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We don't use that word very often except when it comes to finances, that word debt. But that word debt, um, that word debt literally means um, what is owed. A debt is defined by what is owed. I owe somebody something, okay? Forgiveness simply means to cancel the debt, so when we pray, Father, forgive us our debts, we're asking Him to cancel what we owe Him. We're asking God, cancel, would you cancel, would you pardon, would you cancel the debt of righteousness that I owe you? How many of you know, each one of us owe God a debt of righteousness? We are indebted to God. What do we owe Him? Righteousness and holiness. And it's this huge debt because I don't have the resources to pay God the righteousness that He deserves. 
He created me to be holy. He created me to be near Him. But this thing called sin separates me from God. And the only way I can come close is to pay that debt of righteousness. It's to live right, think right, do right. And I, I can't, it's such a huge debt, enormous, it's impossible, I can't do it. And the Father says, it's okay. Because there's somebody that I know who has paid your debt of righteousness. And his name is Jesus. And when Jesus died on the cross, what he did is, with his own blood, he paid the debt. He paid, he gave the Father the righteousness that he was looking for from you and I. And so God no longer looks to us to pay back that righteousness. He now looks to Jesus to pay that righteousness for you. And so when we say, Father, forgive me my debts, he says, That's, I can do that. I can cancel out what you owe me because somebody has paid the debt for you. That's what it means to forgive. It means to cancel that debt. And when you forgive somebody what they owe you, what you're saying is, I cancel that debt. You don't owe me anything. You don't owe me an apology. You don't owe me an explanation. Nothing. That's what it means to forgive. Let me just, just talk just real short about what forgiveness is not, okay? I know I preached back in February and I preached on this theme, but let's, let's look at it fresh this morning. Forgiveness is not, just a couple things. Forgiveness is not, it's not excusing behavior. It's not excusing that person's behavior. It's not pretending it never happened. Jesus forgave the woman at the well. He forgave, he forgave the woman caught in adultery, Right? He forgave her of her sin, but he didn't condone her sin. He didn't approve of her sin. Forgiveness is not excusing behavior. When you forgive another person, you're not turning them loose. You're turning them over to God. Big difference. You're not turning them loose like it never happened. Oh, just, let's just pretend it never happened. No, it did happen. You're not turning them loose. You're simply turning them over to God who knows how to deal with them rightly. How many of you know that's so true? You turn them over to God and say, God, you deal with this person because if I handle them, there ain't going to be no person left at the end of the day. All right? God, he's yours. God, she's yours. God, you deal with this person because I don't know how to deal with them rightly. Forgiveness is also not reconciliation. Reconciliation requires two people. The participation of two people. To forgive somebody, they don't have to be involved. They don't have to be in the room. They don't have to be alive. You can forgive that person, like Jesus said, from your heart. You don't even have to forgive them from your mouth. It has to take place in your heart. It has to be real inside of here. So you may never, ever see that person. You may never have a conversation with that person that hurts you. It may not be possible. It may be possible. But you don't have to, to forgive them. If you're going to be reconciled to them, if there's going to be a building of trust, yes, you have to come back together. But we're talking about forgiveness this morning, not, not reconciliation. Jesus painted a vivid image of forgiveness in his parable about the ungrateful servant. Let me summarize this morning. A man owed his master a large sum of money. And it was not just small, it was huge. It would be like millions and millions of dollars today. Let's say you owed somebody $5 million. It'd be like that. 
And this man, he went to his master one day and he begged for mercy. He said, don't throw me in jail. Just give me some time and I'll pay this debt off. And the master understood that there's no way that this guy would ever be able to pay this debt. Didn't matter how many lifetimes he lived, he would never be able to pay off this huge debt. So the master showed mercy. And the master forgave this enormous debt. And the man left that day rejoicing and he was free. And the first thing he did is he found somebody who owed him some money. But it was just this little bit of amount of money. But he went up to this man and he began to choke him and said, I want you to pay me back right now. You owe me. And the man said, give me time and I'll pay you back. And the guy said, no, I'm not going to give you any more time. You owe me and I want it now. And he had the man thrown in jail. Well, when the master who had forgiven the millions and millions of dollars heard about this, he called his servant in. And I want you to see what he said to his servant this morning. This is found in Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 32 we're looking at. Matthew 18, 32. And this is what the master said. The master called the servant in. He said, you wicked servant. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours. Why? You begged me to. Now, watch what he says. Next verse. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you? In his anger, or in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. That word tortured is what should come to our mind when we think about unforgiveness. To live with unforgiveness and bitterness in our hearts, it means that we will live a life of torture. Some translations say torments. Jesus said this in verse, the last verse, verse number 35. He said this. Jesus said, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your, from your heart. I want you to do something this morning with me, just a little exercise. Um, If you'll do this, um, close your eyes with me because I want you to imagine something with me. Close your eyes. Imagine you find yourself in a prison-like setting. And all around you are, are these prison cells, these prison doors. And, and you're standing there looking at this cell block, if you will. And you begin to notice the faces of people who have hurt you in the past. And I want you to think this morning, who do you see? What faces do you see behind those prison bars? Maybe you see somebody hurt you when you were a child, or maybe you see, maybe you see one of your parents or both of your parents. Could be that you see a sibling or you see an aunt or an uncle. Maybe you see a pastor in there, I don't know. Or it could be that you even see your, the face of your spouse in that prison block. Next to you, you see Jesus. Imagine Jesus standing there, and he is offering you a key to release each prisoner. So what are you going to do with this key? Maybe you don't want to have any part of it. Maybe you're thinking, this person deserves what they're getting. The punishment is equal to the crime. Maybe there's some emotion that's building in your heart, and you're thinking, I, sh- I, don't, I don't think I can let them go. I don't think they deserve to be let go. Maybe even your spouse is there and 
she the, or he, the one you should have been able to count on, is, has hurt you in some way. And so you resist the key that Jesus is offering, and, and at that point you begin to, to walk towards the door to, to get out of this cell block. But you discover that the door is locked, and you don't have the key. And now you're trapped inside with all the other prisoners, and you realize that the same door that is keeping them prisoner is keeping you prisoner. And the same key that will set them free will also set you free. And you realize for the first time that your freedom is now dependent on your forgiveness. It's not about winning and losing anymore. It's not about who was right and who was wrong. It's about freedom. It's about your freedom. Now I want you to open your eyes. And look up at the screen. I want you to see Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. Matthew 6, 14, Jesus said these powerful words. He said, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Can I tell you this morning, the worst kind of torment or the worst kind of torture is separation from God. That's the worst kind of separate. That's the worst kind of torture. I call it solitary confinement. It's where you try to worship and you try to have times of prayer, but man, it feels like you're all alone in this cell called solitary confinement. And God seems so far away, and everybody that's close to you is really not that close to you. And it's because you're in this, this prison of unforgiveness. And, and, and Jesus said that unless you forgive your brother, God will not forgive you. And so now you're in this place, this prison place, and you realize that the only way out is this key, is with this key called forgiveness. Earlier this spring, I was, uh, I was looking to buy a used uh, riding lawnmower. <clears throat> and so I was searching and looking, and I found the perfect riding lawnmower, right? Nothing runs like a deer. So I found the, the John Deere riding lawnmower, perfect for our... And so, um, so I texted the guy, and I said, I said I'll take it. I'll, I'll give you asking price for it. He said, great, let's, let's meet today at 1 p.m. That's the earliest I can meet, 1 p.m. I said, great, see you at 1 p.m., cash in hand, done deal. I was so excited about this stupid green lawnmower, right? About an hour before I was to arrive, I get a text. I'm so sorry, I sold the lawnmower. One guy said he'd come right now and get it. Exactly. I was hot. My family knew I was hot. I explained to them what had happened. And so I get back on the text. I said, what part of, I'll be there at 1 p.m., I'll pay asking price, do you not understand? <laughs> and then he apologized, I know, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, this guy owes me something. <laughs> and so my family is hearing this whole thing and watching this whole thing. And I told him, I said, but I forgive him. That's what I said. Came from my mouth, right? Two months later, just about a week ago, this, the story came up again. And I'm talking about it again. And I told Carrie, I said, listen, I forgave the guy. He, I forgave the jerk, but he's still a jerk. <laughs> That's what I said. 
And, and I walked away from that conversation and I, I thought, you know what? I, have this, I still feel the same thing inside that I felt two months ago. I, I still have this voltage coming out of me, right? I still have this same angry emotions coming out of me. There's no peace in my heart. There's no peace in my mind. There's no peace in my voice. And at that moment, I realized that I had forgiven him from my mouth, but I hadn't forgiven him from my heart. See, you can say and you can pray, I forgive you. But until it's, it's coming from here, you haven't forgiven. I haven't forgiven. And so that drove me to prayer and I said, God, forgive me for, un- for, for not forgiving him. And I said, God, I forgive him from my heart. I release this person to you. And then I did something interesting. I started finding myself praying, God, I pray you would bless him. God, I pray that no harm would come. I pray you would bless him and make him a blessing. And then my heart was just natural. It wasn't forced. God, I know I'm supposed to pray for my enemies and those that persecute me. So, you know, just bless him just a little bit, you know, just, but not much, Lord, you know. It was natural. It just came out of my heart, Right? Why? Because I had forgiven from my heart. See, you you can know that if you have forgiven when you can start praying for them and you can start asking God to bless them, right? When you can start asking God, God, I release them to you. God, I cancel their debt. God, I pray you would cancel their debt as well. Then you know you've, you've forgiven from your heart. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 says this. Hebrews 12, 14, make every effort to live in peace. Let's just read that again. Make every effort, every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. In 2007, um, I want to tell you a Glad Tidings story this morning. In 2007, Glad Tidings Church went through a very painful and difficult transition. Maybe you were here, maybe you weren't. Our lead pastor, Pastor Doby Weasel, had uh, served here as a lead pastor for eight years, and he resigned, I think it was Father's Day of 2007. And the circumstances around his resignation... um, were not understood. Everybody had questions, and, and there were all kinds of perceptions of, of what happened and why it happened. And the best way I can describe it is it felt like, um, it felt like an open wound that just wouldn't heal. Even years after his resignation, it felt like there was just this, this open thing that just, it wasn't, there wasn't good closure to it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And seven years later, after his resignation, I think it was 2014, I was praying. I began to sense in my spirit that some meetings needed to take place. And I just felt strongly by the spirit. And I I ran by our pastors and our deacons. I said, guys, here's what I think needs to happen. I think we need to make sure that there is no bitter root that is growing, that will defile many, and that will hinder God's church from moving forward. So I made some phone calls and I had breakfast with Pastor Doby and, 
And we exchanged our hearts and our love and our forgiveness towards one another. And then we had another meeting. And this meeting, I was there. Pastor Doby was there. All of our deacons were there. And I, we invited our district superintendent, who oversees all the Assemblies of God churches in Nebraska. We invited him to come as well. Remember, love fights and love also partners, right? Fights in prayer, fights in partnership. And, and so we had this meeting together, and it was a very transparent meeting. We, we, shared, we shared honestly about our perceptions of what happened seven years earlier. We talked about how it made us feel. <laughs> how many of you know feelings are important? And, and we, we just loved and we affirmed one another and we prayed for one another. And at the end, we joined hands and we contended in prayer for the kingdom of God. We said, God, God, your kingdom come on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. And we prayed that the gates of hell would not prevail against what God wants to do in Omaha, Nebraska. And we prayed that no bitter root would grow up and defile many. And it was a strategic meeting, I believe, in the heavens and on earth and under the earth. And I think kingdom business happened that day. And, and I, I'm just so proud of the, the courage that these men took to, to meet together and let's, let's protect what God is doing. Amen? Let's protect what God is doing. At the, after all that happened, I began to think, you know, of the significance of, of what happened that day. It had been seven years since the offense before we had that meeting. That was a long time. But I was reminded of, of seven years in the Old Testament. Every seven years in the Old Testament Jewish community, they would have what's called a sabbatical year. It was called the year of Jubilee. It was the year of jubilation. And during the year of Jubilee, here's what would happen. Everybody's debts would be canceled and all slaves were set free in that seventh year. And I thought, that's what happened that day. We made sure that all debts were canceled, right? That all slaves, that all prisoners were set free. <laughs> and it was a year of jubilee. And I believe things happened in the spirit that day that are going to continue to happen and cause God's church to move forward. So the important thing that we have to walk away with today is, okay, we realize how important forgiveness is. How do we forgive? I want to draw your attention to Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, as we wrap things up. Colossians 3, verse 13. The Bible says that we are to bear with each other. I don't like that word, bear. Do we have to bear with each other? We do. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So now we're going back to John chapter 13, verse 34. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. As I have forgiven you, so you must forgive one another. How did Jesus forgive? One of my favorite verses that really succinctly describes how Jesus forgave is found in Luke chapter 23, verse number 34. It was on the cross that Jesus prayed this profound prayer, and this is what he said. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. It's a tiny little verse, a tiny little prayer, but we, we learn three huge things about how to forgive. And the first thing that we learn about forgiveness from Jesus is that Jesus forgave his offenders, not in person, but in prayer. 
Jesus forgave, not in person, but in prayer. And he was on the cross and he was praying this prayer. And what we should take away from that is, is this. Don't try to go to the person that has offended you until you have first gone in prayer. Because when you go to the person before going to God, you are expecting them to deliver you from your torment when only God can do that. Don't put that unrealistic expectation out there that, oh, I've got to go to them and, and I've got to bring up the offense and, and if they forgive me, I'll, I'll be free. Now, you can't do that. You can't put that on them because they may never release you. They may never forgive you, right? And they may never acknowledge that they have done something wrong towards you and need to be forgiven. So don't put the expectation on the other person to deliver you from your torment. Put that expectation on God. And don't go to that person that you need to forgive and say, I forgive you for what you did. Because they may go, for what? I, I have people come to me um, more often than I'd like to admit, and they say, Pastor, I've been mad at you for two years. You said something, you did something, and I didn't know, you know. And they come to me, and I just go, okay, I'm glad you and God worked that out. <laughs> you know, be blessed. You know, I'm sorry I hurt you, and I, I, I'm sorry I hurt you. I didn't realize I'd hurt you, you know. But you don't need to go to another person for that forgiveness to take place in your life. Father, forgive them. You do it in prayer. You release them in prayer. The second thing that we can learn about forgiveness is that Jesus forgave his offenders while they were offending him. Right in the middle of the offense, he forgave them while he was still on the cross. <laughs> it wasn't after the resurrection. It wasn't after everything was done and everything's okay. And, oh, now we realize that we crucified the Son of God. We're so sorry. No, it was while he was on the cross, while he still felt the, the burn marks from the whips on his back. He still felt the pain of the thorns pushed into his, into his head and, and, the, and, the, and he got punched in the face and he was still feeling all that pain. He still felt the pain of the nails in his hands and in his feet. And while he was still suffering, while he was still in that pain, he forgave them. And you may be in that place right now where you are feeling the pain of what somebody has done to you. Don't wait till the pain goes away. Don't wait years upon years. Learn from Jesus and know that right now in the midst of your pain, God will give you the power to forgive that person from your heart. The third thing that we learn from Jesus' little prayer here is that he forgave his offenders before they asked to be forgiven. He said, for they do not know what they are doing. They do not know what they were doing. He forgave them while they were still blind to what they were doing. Can I tell you this morning that sin blinds us? Our sin blinds us to sin. I've said this before and I like to say it because it really helps us understand that we are surrounded by blind people. Would you get offended if a blind person stepped on your foot? Would you get offended if a blind person stepped on your foot? Of course you wouldn't. You'd be like, well, they, they don't know what they're doing. They can't see. They're, they're lost. They can't see. And we have to understand that when people hurt us, they are people who are blind. They, they don't always see what they're doing. 
Sin blinds us to what we're doing. And so we have to say, you know what? They're blind. They don't know what they're doing. I'm not going to get offended over that. Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. And you say, well, pastor, they knew exactly what they were doing. And they said this, and they brought up that, and then this, and that, and this. And my thought on that is, have you ever been blind and done the same thing? Have you ever stepped on somebody's foot and you didn't intend to, you didn't know where you were going, you didn't see, right? I think we all have to admit that we all have some blind spots. We all have some blinds, blinders on. Jesus forgave his offenders, not in person, but in prayer. He forgave them while they were offending him. And he forgave them before they even asked to be forgiven. We're going to wrap it up this morning. You know, we can come to church and we can have a great worship message, worship service. We've got an amazing worship team. I'm so proud of them. I'm so thankful for them. And we can have an amazing message, perhaps, every once in a great while. I don't know. But my point is this this morning, that the sermon is not the centerpiece of Sunday morning. Jesus is the centerpiece. And so the message and the worship and everything we do should point to Jesus, should direct us to Jesus. It's, it's the throne of grace that we approach with boldness and confidence in our time of need. And so we, we close our service with pointing you to Jesus. And so the question this morning that we have to ask, is there somebody in my life that I need to forgive? Or is there somebody in those, in those prison cells that I need to take the key of forgiveness and I need, to, I need to release them? I need to let them go. And as I shared that, that, uh, that little illustration earlier, I don't know who you saw. Maybe you saw the face of somebody. I want you to just bow your heads with me for just a moment. And I want you to just close your eyes once again and and visualize once again, is there somebody that, that you need to forgive this morning? Is there somebody where you need to cancel that debt? You need to set them free. Maybe it's somebody very close to you that you've been holding in bondage for a long time. Maybe it's somebody that uh, you've met once and you've never met again but you're holding them in bondage this morning. And you realize that not only are they in bondage, but you're in bondage today. And it's no longer about what he said, she said, or, or who is right, who is wrong. It's now about freedom, both freedom for you and for that other person. And this morning, we're going to do what Jesus did, and we're going to forgive them in prayer. And we're going to do it from our hearts. You may have forgiven this person before from your lips, but you know that it didn't, it didn't really come out of your heart. You said it because it was the right thing to do, but it wasn't genuine, it wasn't real. And this morning, God wants to set you and that person free. And if that's you this morning and there's somebody that you need to forgive from your heart, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front, but I'm going to ask you to stand right where you're at. And we're going to pray together. We're going to pray together. If there's somebody you need to forgive this morning, please stand to your feet and we're going to pray together as a church. Stand right where you're at. I'm ready to forgive this person from the depths of my heart. It's like the guy who cheated me on that lawnmower. <laughs> I thought I'd forgiven him, but I realized, man, there's still a lot of voltage inside of my heart 
towards this individual. Lord, forgive us first, we pray, for our unforgiveness. Forgive us, God, for holding this person in debt and in bondage. God, we say they did not know what they were doing. They were blind, God. And we don't understand exactly how they could do that and be blind, but God, we, they don't know what they're doing. And Lord, we, we forgive them, God. We cancel the debt right now in Jesus' name. We hand this person over to you. And God, if they don't know you, we pray they would find you. And God, somehow we pray you would bless this person and cause them to be a blessing. We forgive them this morning from our heart as Christ forgave us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We let it go. We let it go. Cancel the debt in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. And Lord, I just pronounce freedom right now. Everyone who's standing, freedom, 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 God, this morning. Freedom. God, I pray that our bodies, God, would react differently now because of this forgiveness. God, those who are sick in body because of unforgiveness and bitterness, God, would be healed right now in Jesus' name. Those who are anxious and, and worried and upset, God, God, no longer because they're free right now. They're free from this, this uh, bitterness and unforgiveness in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Now, I want you to sit down, if you would, and I'm going to talk to, the, to another group, perhaps, who are here this morning. There's lots of people here. In the first service, we had several people who stood for this next one. And this is the question. Do you need to be forgiven by God? You're here this morning and, and you realize that sin has separated you from God. And you are in debt to God and you owe him this debt of righteousness. But you realize this morning, I don't have any righteousness to give God. I need God to pardon me. I need God to cancel my debt. I need God to save me. And you realize this morning that you have been trying to pay back God all your life. You've been trying to do the right thing, say the right thing, show up to church, read your Bible, serve the poor. You've been trying to do everything right, but you realize you don't have enough rightness to be right with God. And you're here this morning and you realize, you know what? I need God to cancel this debt that I can't pay. You've been in bondage to this debt and the Father wants to forgive you. He wants to forgive you. Will you receive Jesus Christ today as your Lord and Savior? Will you receive him as the one who paid your debt today? You are saved by grace, the Bible says, and through faith. And this is a gift from God. It's not from yourselves so that nobody can boast. So you're here today to receive the gift of God, the gift of forgiveness. If you need that gift today, stand to your feet this morning, right where you're at. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you today. Pastor, I'm in debt, but I'm ready for God to cancel that debt. Stand to your feet right where you're at, and I'm going to pray with you this morning. 
in the balcony, on the main floor. This is really, really important today. This is really important today. You're going to walk out of here a free person. You're going to walk out of here a rich person. You came in a poor person spiritually. You're going to walk out a rich person spiritually. You're going to be a son and a daughter of God. And I want you to pray from your heart, just like the last group prayed from their heart. Just pray from your heart. Say, I'm a sinner. God, I'm a sinner. And I hate my sin. I need forgiveness. And I believe Jesus died so I could be forgiven. I believe Jesus rose from the dead so I could live a new life. I now receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. My past is erased. And today I'm a new person in Jesus Christ. God, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for canceling my debt. I receive you as my Father today, as my Lord today, as my Savior today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we thank God this morning? So there were probably about a dozen of you standing, and I want to just celebrate the courage that you took to stand and to pray today that prayer. I love the fact that Jesus called his disciples publicly to come and to follow him. It wasn't this private agreement behind closed doors. It was very, very open. And it wasn't ever to embarrass anybody. It was just to see how serious people were about following Jesus. How fed up they were with their old life, wanting a new life. If you stood to your feet today, I'm going to encourage you, when the service concludes here in a moment, that you would just come down here. I'd love to shake your hand and see you eyeball to eyeball and just say, thank you. Thank you. Just celebrate with you now that you're a a, a son or a daughter of God. Would you do that this morning? As we close, please come. I'd love to meet you. And then we got a gift we'd like to give you. It's a little book called Now What? great little book about what to do now that you've been pardoned and your sins have been canceled out. Amen. Everybody stand to your feet this morning. God bless your church as they go. God, I pray that this freedom and forgiveness that we have received this morning, we would freely give in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Prayer workers are coming and they're going to pray with those who would like prayer this morning. God bless you. If you prayed in that second service, in that second uh, standing, please come and let's briefly meet today. God bless you.